top of the morning, afternoon, or evening to you, and welcome to a special edition of Cup of Joes. Joe B here, how you doing? It is Friday, Steve Austin Day, March 16th, 2017. It's, it's Thursday. It's Thursday, but go on. Well... Friday's tomorrow. I'm a day ahead of you guys. Okay. You're still, in every way possible. You you moved the clocks forward a full 24 hours. Yeah, I'm still recovering from that fucking day. Okay. Fair enough. It is Thursday, though. Mm-hmm. Friday in some calendars. Hey, so they call it daylight savings, right? Mm-hmm. No. Push, so, but in call, fall, don't they also call it daylight savings? They call it push forwards Sunday. They... Or people still say daylight savings in the fall, but it shouldn't be. No, it's push forward your clocks day. Spring forward, fall back. Right. I've heard that saying. Yeah. But when during fall, they're like, hey. It's still daylight savings. At that point, it should not be daylight savings. You're not saving day anymore. You're getting rid of some. I think you are saving daylight in the fall, but in spring, you're kind of paying it back by losing an hour. More like daylight givings day. Yes, this is Lent after all. We've got a lot to be thankful for on this day of giving. Yeah. Even though today isn't the exact daylight savings giving no. day. No, it was, it was last last weekend. But yeah. Yeah. But that brings us why we want to you know we want to explain to you this episode and Joe, what is that exactly? Well, we've got a great episode planned for you today. Um, we talk a little bit. Well, tonight they had a lot of uh, tournament games. The NCAA tourney. Yep. Guys feeling great about that? Yeah, the official uh, day one started today. A lot of games today. Mm-hmm. Northwestern won. Wisconsin just won. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin. We also have a bunch of great announcer calls from you. Mm-hmm. A lot of great announcer calls. Sure. We got yeah. what else? Talk a little bit about where each of the games were held in the cities. Yeah. Four of those. And then we get into little, you know, a uh, famous figure, yeah. L. Ron Hubbard. So LRH. LRH. Yeah. Our the highest. We started talking about Scientology a little bit. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know. And as you can hear, we got some company. We got a train coming up here. The yeah. Metra, yeah, which is yeah. a murderer recently. Remember that, guys? Well, you know, we're... we're <laughs> I don't know about that, but... I didn't hear about that, but uh, yeah. We're well, not on, on purpose, but it was a fake murder. Um, but yeah, we're we're recording in, in a different location this week, right next, pretty close to the train station. So, pardon any train uh, noise you hear in the background. But we're not going to apologize for it because it also feeds into a new kind of uh, storyline that we're starting to. I, I think you're just talking about like a mentality of just like, hey, fuck you. Well, yeah, I. But, you know, we don't want to say fuck you right to our audience. We can bleep that out, right? Yeah. Not fuck you to you guys, but, you know, you know, fuck you in general. Right. Right. Yeah. Not to the listener, but to to the people. Yeah. People who listen to this who we don't want to be our listener. Mm -hmm. Well, back off. And we don't mean that to anybody who's listening. (laughs) But don't listen to this anymore. We don't want you listening. And you know who you are, but everybody who is listening, we love you guys. <laughs> so, okay. uh, we hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. And uh, enjoy your corned beef and cabbage, your Guinness. Oh, I think we almost forgot Joe's. 
uh, to close this episode out because, you know, it's right around St. Patrick's Day. We got a little history lesson coming towards the end. Mm-hmm. Focused on Irish history with one of our uh, one of our favorite returnees. He likes to call in unabruptly or abruptly. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was that again, Joe? Dan. Our friend Dan. Our Carlin. friend Dan. He's been on it a couple times. Yeah. yeah you can uh, you can find Dan on his own podcast, Hardcore History. Um. And sometimes he chi- likes to chime in and uh, help us out on a couple of jokes. So stay tuned at the end of tonight's episode and you'll uh, you'll hear his take on a famous Irishman and in in his place in history. So with that, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode and happy St. Patrick's Day. And go fuck yourself. Love you guys. Mike check. Brothers apartment outside of the red line. We are here on 316, March 16th, Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. We'll get to that in a minute, folks. But for now, we want to talk about the NCAA tournament. Now, we know a bunch of you have been picking your brackets, picking your winners, what you think are winners, but we all know that's not going to happen. So what we here at A Cup of Joes want to do is divulge into what makes this tournament so great. And we have broken that up into two categories. One, the regions slash uh, where these games are being played at. So we're going to touch base on where these some of great arenas are being played at. And then we're also going to hop right into um, you know some of the great announcers and play callers of this great game that we get to listen to which makes these this tournament so great so why don't we hop into right away um you know i'm just going to name off a couple of places where these games are being played and uh you, you know maybe why don't you just why don't you guys just tell me what comes to mind when you think of these uh cities okay okay sure, sure. not okay. a problem okay yeah. <laughs> so uh first first round of games um, on 316, Thursday, March 16th, they're being played at Buffalo, New York, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, okay. Orlando, Florida, yes. and Salt Lake City. I've been to three of those. Okay, so what comes to mind when you come, when you hear a city like that when it comes to the NCAA tournament, Joe? Um, well, I've been all three. I've been to three of the four. The one, the one remaining is Salt Lake City. So why don't you go about one by one? What, right. what do Buffalo, you like about the city? What's you know what's going on? What Buffalo is? Um, it's a blue collar city. Yeah, it was hit hard by the recession. It's it's hit hard. A lot by, of wings there. It's hit hard yeah. by DUIs as well. Um, it's right across the, you know, okay. There's right across the river from Toronto. I've been there. Um, We're not talking about Canada, right? Were now. you there legally, or yes, yes? Okay, I've been to Buffalo. Um, the Sabers play there. The Bills. Bills. The Bills play there. The Bills, great fans. Bills Mafia, great fans. Yeah, great fans. Wild. Um, Three sixteen day. I think they're celebrating that. Yeah, actually, that yeah, brings you sure. a nice question. Have you ever been put through a glass table before? Mm, I have not. All right, we'll move on. 
Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Been there. I mean, I know we've, you we've two have been, been there. there. We've been there. I've been there as well. Listen to episode, what is it? Episode Trace. Three. three. If yeah. you guys want to hear about the Mr. Milwaukee episode, please mm-hmm. hear. Please uh, go back to that one. Milwaukee's a fun town. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of breweries. Mm-hmm. Nice drinking city. Yeah. Um, nice people, you know. But very segregated too. Yeah. When we get back to the Buffalo, go ahead, please. I went to supposedly the place, the birthplace of the Buffalo Wing. Whoa. Um, it's called the Anchor Bar, and uh, they're pretty good. You know, nothing to write home about, but you think about that's where they started it. Just remember, we started something. You went to the nativity scene of the Buffalo Wing. Yeah. It was pretty religious, mm-hmm. and I brought home some Did you, uh, buffalo like sauce. Like I said, frankincense and myrrhs, buffalo blue sauce, cheese and ranch. Yes, it was highly religious. Did you say highly sacrilegious? Is more like it if they set up a scene like that. Did well, you, <laughs> did you sing a hymn when you were in the toilet that evening? Did you praise Rang? I did. I praised Hosanna. It was, it was good. That's good. It was it was good. It was Don't forget good. to praise those animals. So we're back, folks. yeah. But then, but then, yeah. So Buffalo, Buffalo Wings, and uh, you know, these nice people, uh, upstate New York, Milwaukee. I've been there. Great time. Hey, good times. You ever been to Summerfest? The biggest I have. Yeah. music festival in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Marcus got- Amphitheater, great, great venue for concerts. Yeah, great venue. Great uh, venue for... Right on the lakefront. Great venue yeah. for midget wrestling as well. No, the midget wrestling was in a... Subterranean it venue. Was not a subterranean. Well, it should have been. <laughs> it was basically... It was an under, underground fighting arena. Yeah. No, no, remember the inside, though? It was... I don't want like, to talk. I don't want to talk. It was... It was, it was, it was what was the... Uh, Everything was... What was the other city? Uh, we have Orlando, Florida. Oh. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Orlando. So, that's what I think of Orlando. <laughs> yeah. I shot no out of my ass if he couldn't. No. Just uh, steer clear of uh, nightclubs. Guys, sorry for the smell. No, Orlando has uh, oh. Universal Studios. Yeah, Disney. Making. I went to you. No, yeah. that was in. Uh, oh, wait. No. Wait, that's not that was in California. I went to. Not the. Uh, I, I don't know. Where is the. Is, well, I know Universal is, is in uh, Orlando. Hmm. You guys ever been to Universal Studios? I've been to the one in California. When I was a child. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, you guys! Universal Studios is oh. so awesome to visit. I literally shit my pants when uh, the one, you know, Jaws one. Oh yes, yeah. that's the best one. Yeah, because they do re- they do not mess around. They don't hold back. They go full on explosions. Yeah, you could smell the gas. Yeah, yeah, it's I was, it was dripping in my eye while it's it was right under the mouth. It's amazing. Yeah. They do that in Jaws. They do that in the Mummy. They do gas leaks in the. Yeah, I don't know how they get away. They with poison it. their guests. That's Le- how intense. Legally, it is. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so. It much just adds up. the atmosphere, though. Yeah, You're delirious. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's explosions. It's wild. It's a great time. So good fun in Orlando. Yeah. Good fun, Orlando. Yeah. The uh, the last city that the uh, games are being played in on March 16th, 316, still close to Steve Hunter. Steve Stunner. Steve, Steve Stunner Day. Yeah. Austin. Um, actually, very own Chicago, very own Northwestern is playing in. Salt Lake City, Utah, which brings me back to uh, Elrond Howard, what we were talking about uh, yeah. today. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, Salt Lake City, you just get like this, like, kind of, you know, dry city vibe, a lot of Mormon stuff. What do you think Elrond Hubbard and Joseph Smith ever hung out? 
Possibly. They're the same ideology. Yeah. Well, well, totally different time periods, I think, actually. I knew, they, yeah. They're pretty, they're separated by maybe 100 years. Eight, he was in the 1800s. Probably they understand years. how to... No, no, just... They know control. No. What was L. Ron Hubbard in the 40s? 30s and 40s? A little later uh, than that. A little later. I mean, well, he was past the Dust Bowl. 60s? Once he started... I mean, he was in Vietnam, wasn't he? So that's 60s. Oh, oh was it Vietnam? No, he's in no World, World War II, II, so that's 45. Oh. Yeah, so, so he's in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, that's when he started. But Joseph Smith was 1800s sometime. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. That, I mean, like I said, this is the one. Maybe there he's a he's the next generation. This is the one. Si- this Smith. is the one city on the list that I have not visited. So I'm well, sure. uh, maybe we should do it just so we. Can I've done a virtual reality it. reality tour of it. You have? Yeah. On Google Earth or? Yeah. Just you know, went on my laptop and clicked around Google Earth. Checked out like Salt Lake because I was like, if they don't drink there. What do they do? So I spent. Well, they have a bunch of wives. Of the night. Don't they get a bunch of wives? I mean, that's what they do, right? Well, yeah, I looked through a lot of windows on there, and yeah. it was all huge orgies but you know single households so hmm. it wasn't like you know with one if you male. go around the houses around here you see like one house and ten this was eight ten well, eight, eight, eight houses so how would you how would you say it differs from like being a peeping town in this neighborhood compared to Salt Lake City well you're not even a peeping town in Salt Lake City because you don't have to right. go that far to look even okay. you're just a you're, just, you're a pedestrian there when you're doing that hello here, hello yeah, there hello, yeah. Go, nice to see you do you think you're um, mm-hmm. alright Here's a little. Here's a question for Salt Lake City. Do you think? All right. Say you're a father and you have a daughter. What are your uh, you know, expectations then? I'm gonna get her pregnant. Are they must? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're wrong there. That's I think not, they, they immediately they it comes to mind when you think about Salt Lake City. No. Let's say you're trying to write a sketch for SNL. What immediately comes to mind when you're in that? You know. I'm not thinking about incest no. straight away. You, what are you thinking about then? Okay. No, 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 no. I'm saying like... I mean, I've seen Bates Motel, okay? No. I think that's why you're saying this, because you've been watching that too much. All right. I'm, all, all I'm saying is... No, no, no. I'm saying like in a... Uh, anywhere but Salt Lake City, you know, you have a daughter. You're like, oh, like, I hope she meet... Maybe she meet, you know... She Prince does Charming. Well. Maybe, meets, maybe meets a nice guy, you know, and they get married. But when you're in Salt Lake City, you're a Mormon... Are you now thinking like I hope she meets maybe a guy? Hopefully he's got a few nice wives, uh, <laughs> and she joins with hopefully them. They, hopefully she gets along with everybody. Isn't that kind of weird? You know, mm. like if you're a father with a daughter mm. in Salt Lake City versus anywhere else, that's kind of a different way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, sure is. I don't know. I don't know if we're if we can actually answer that question. Can we trust yeah. these people with hosting some of the NCAA tournament? I don't know. That, especially with a team like Northwestern who's never been in it before. Mm-hmm. You think about teams that have never been in it before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're, I mean, it's... It's a clash of cultures that's going on right yeah. now, I assume. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, of all of the four cities you mentioned, Salt Lake City probably raises the most eyebrows. It's like, hey, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to know if any of this is... These beliefs are outdated. I don't know if anything's changed there. I don't know. You don't hear about it too much. I just look in the crowd and I see a bunch of... They're all, you know, pure... Kind of Minnesotan-looking people, to be honest, right? Utahs and Minnesotans, I think they kind of look like. Yeah. Minnesotans are uh, not as Mormon, though. That's true. They look like Mormons, though. I think you're almost just, like, starting to have some wet dreams about Fargo coming out in a month. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you say that has anything? I'm about to blow. 
thinking about Fargo. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, it's it's coming out. Uh, guys, I still, I gotta watch both of those shows, Bates Motel and Fargo. I, I've not seen them. I can't speak for Bates Motel. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Joe Q's raving about it, so I'm gonna check it out. It's got a little Freudian vibe, and I've mentioned yeah. that. It's got a little Freudian nature to it, mm-hmm. so... Touch up on your Freudian history before you watch this, otherwise you're going to be a little creeped out. Alright. So, Fair enough. Thanks for the yeah. warning. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah there's a few shows. Now that I got I got the Chromecast right? set up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get, get cut off on that stuff. On those shows. Well, good. I think that uh, since we've touched on the four cities that are hosting today's tournament, um, we kind of want to touch on how just how great these games are actually brought to you by and you know that's probably the great sponsors that are involved um but not only that the announcers super it to you so uh i think joe actually had a couple of uh kind of announcers that he wanted to bring to the table so what are you you talking about like 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 a top Top list of best announcers. Like best announcers in the game that bring you NCAA March Madness calls. I mean, there are, are, we are just, so many great guys. Are we just talking about um, just 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 uh, NCAA basketball? Or are we no. talking about other I'm sports? talking about what are the greatest calls in the game? Who can make the best calls? And what are the most memorable? Those voices in basketball or, or just in general? No, in general. In general, all because sports. What, when you think of March Madness, what really makes a great game is the guy making the call behind the. Uh, yeah, we're watching on mute right now. I know. Yeah. But that's because we, 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 we got you here to make the call. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Yeah, And there, there are so many greats of the day. You know, I was just thinking, the maybe the OG for me, it, it doesn't even occur in, uh, you know, well, a traditional sport you'd think of, but WWF style. WWF. Okay. Yeah, because so, it's 316 so day. Before WWE. Before WWE, surely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're saying this this announcer comes from WWF and this is... He might have started somewhere else. Don't quote me on so that. So 316 should, day. Uh, you know, get out something to we'll, look stuff up. We'll give it a look. Yeah. Yeah, figure it out. So yeah. 316 day. Yeah. Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Who is the guy you're t- referring to? You're talking about... What's his name? Ross? JR. JR. None John. other than Jonathan Ross. John Ross, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He uh, called some of the best matches of all time. Um, yeah. I remember him well. Yeah. He would uh, just implore people, you know, to not do it. Not do it. You knew what Don't they were going to do. do. <laughs> so you'd see a table set. So here's how it goes you see him, let's say, Matt Hardy. Start setting up a table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no! Slow. No, no. What's he doing? Don't, don't do it, Matt. Don't do it, Jeff. And <laughs> I noticed you adjusted your chair as you said that. Oh yeah, he's he's getting up and and then there's also at the same time you got to remember that you know his co-host. Um, Taz. We well, had a few. He had a few. Or what about Taz? the one that's on ESPN now? What's his name? That's Jonathan Coachman. Coach. Coach. Do you guys remember Taz? Yeah, Taz. Wasn't he one of his co-hosts? I don't know. Maybe we need some. So just for all the just for all the fans on three sixteen day. Ah shit! God damn. Ads. There's ads on everything. Let's turn it on. Yeah. 
So, uh, Joe, Joe, this is your favorite JR call. What the fuck is this? So we left off with no, it's not gonna work. The JR call immediately went to a interview from Stephen Colbert. Oh, okay. So you're talking about best sports announcers, best calls in sports, immediately Jonathan Ross, JR from WWF. That's the number one name that comes up. Yes. That is the like forget, like forget, 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 forget the U.S. hockey team. For, forget Brent Musburger. Forget. Do you believe in miracles? We're talking Jr. from WWE. Yes. We're talking. Yes. We're talking like mid to late nineties. How do they get ten million? How do they get ten million viewers a week? Do you think that's just by chance? How do you think they sell out every call? single show? How do you think they're the best entertainers in sports? It's by announcing. Yes, yes. Good announcing. Yep. And JR? He makes you believe. Does he still announce or no? No, he retired. Not anymore. Didn't he used to wear a cowboy hat? Yeah. He, he wore a beautiful cowboy hat. Him and JBL. Yeah. No. Well, JBL, JBL wore two. I was thinking of Jerry Lawler was his. Ah, uh, okay. It was his partner for a while, not the whole. Jerry team, Lawler, obviously. I was thinking of Taz. What's your that, guy? That was later on. Yeah. What's your guy? I just what I remember. Are you sure? Why can't I remember? Should not to go to Rikishi? Mm. Mm-hmm. Too cool. Scotty too hotty. Grandmaster sexy. So, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, what are your some of your favorite other calls from the game? Hmm. Brian, um, Brian Gumbel obviously on CBS Sports. I mean, sure, all the Gumbel brothers, yeah, or relatives. I mean, but none of them compared to Jr. Mm-hmm. Well, Jr. is up there for sure. What about you? Got any MLB guys or? Oh, plenty of MLB guys. Let's hear one. Well, the most electric duo in uh, yeah. baseball history. Hawk. No, he's a well, he's, a, single, a, solo he's a solo guy. Lon Casper. And solo. What's the duo? You're a fan of Len Casper, huh? What's the what's the duo? What's the duo, Judge? Patton oh, Ron. Pat and Ron? No. No? No. None other. Big big picture. Then Sunday Night Baseball Zone. Mm. This is John Miller. Joined as always by Joe Rogan. Hi John, how you doing? This is you know, this is gonna be a great night. We got the statue of Ernie Banks out front reminding me how great baseball is. And how great this game is going to be. So I'm really excited about that. Great. And we got the Braves versus the San Francisco Giants. And the first pitch is... Good! A home run! I was going to say just... <laughs> That's a... Uh, uh, yeah, Indians. That's Euchre. Just a Just a bit outside. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the first pitch is... A lot of the baseball ones kind of bleed into each other. It's hard to distinguish yeah. sometimes. They copy each other. Yeah. There's only so much you can do when you're just yeah. saying same old, same old. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish I'd listen to Vince Scully more. You know, I hear him a few times, a, you know, just a few times a year. Where you're like, oh, man. But he's on the West Coast. We're not really... Yeah, we're not familiar with him. Yeah. yeah. What about Harry Carey? He was on the Sox and Cubs. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was before our time. Yeah. But. And then, you know, the most... Way you get from that is Will Ferrell's impressions. Yeah, so, it can't be you know, beat. So can't be beat. Don't even yeah. try. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah. Who else we? John Madden. I mean, he's he stands out for football. We had guys like Joe Buck on Fox now, just Joe killing Buck. it. Mm. Joe Buck, absolutely <laughs> killing it. Great. Who else? <laughs> oh man, let's think. We got. Uh, what about for the Blackhawks? Who's the Blackhawks? Oh, Pat Foley. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. But too bad he doesn't get to announce in the playoffs because NBC fucking steals everything from him. Yeah. Those bastards. Yeah, well. You can... See, the nice thing is you can play it like this. You can play the... You can play the game on the TV and put it on the radio. On, True. And uh, you can mute the, the TV. The guys with the Hawks on the radio are very good. Yeah. I couldn't you tell you the names, but... You know, we can do that here. We get, I can get the radio out. We can do that. What's that? What, what we want? <laughs> Love listening to the radio. So, uh, Joe, I think we're going to be able to hear some more announcing uh, names from you this upcoming Joe season. Oh, yes. There's so, plenty more. I'm just, you know. So, I think, like, you know, especially during the baseball season, we're going to hear a lot more calls. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I think that's what the people can get excited for. Yeah. Which I'm, is. I'm really going to listen in and uh, we're going to skewer some people. Mm-hmm. Don't you forget about that. <laughs> so. Vacation, you think? Yeah, I think so. Do? I think. Uh, Where are you gonna go? Gonna hit up some strip clubs. Yeah. Gonna go to Florida, eat some bath salts, kill some people. Yeah. Naked, naked on the freeway. Go gator wrestling. Yeah. Spear a gator with a just one of those tent poles from a like a ten by twenty. Yeah. And how long you think? How many days off do you get? It's only like a five day trip, so I gotta yeah. clean myself up pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. How about you, Q? If you're gonna go on vacation, where would you go? What would you do? I'd uh, also go grab some gators apart. I just wanna kill gators, dude. Yeah? Just fucking. <laughs> Try and grab them? No, just like tear apart their jaw. I think it's kind of a, a trend that's happening right now. Gators. Killing gators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like those pussies. There's a lot of anger going around. Yeah. Just tear a fucking jaw open. Oh, probably pretty strong though. That's fine. No, you go through the baby. You ever wrestled a gator before? My cousin has. Steve. Oh, nice. Crocodiles were. Crocodiles were more his. R.I.P. Steve I.R. R.I.P. No relation though, but. No, maybe. Maybe down the line. Well, we don't know. We're all related. Somehow. We have six, yeah. six age of common. Back from the, the hominids, you know. We're all from the same people. Mm. Maybe a little bit of mix of the Neanderthal in there. Wait yeah. a second. Should we bring up the fact that Joe's in his hometown in this episode or no? Well, yeah, I mean, we could just... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not a huge announcement. You can go ahead and tell people. I'm not in Scientology. You can confess. I'm not in Scientology. I well, the dynamics book that you hit already... I was I was researching the life. You're just studying, yeah. No, no, following. Yeah. No, no. I I was I've been more and more interested in the life of L. Ron Hubbard. He's a crazy cat. Crazy guy, man. Insane. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how there's a whole religion based around him now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Not as long as, uh, as long as Leah Remini has anything to say about it. Right. She's on a crusade. I'm on a mission from Ghana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she was excommunicated. Her mission from Zandu? Is that the name? Zandu? Excommunicated. Zandu? Not the church. She was in it, though. Yeah, but she was in the Catholic church. Oh. Maybe not the Catholic church, but... Hey, Kun. Pull over my hand? No, I mean your hand. You're covering your, your mouth with your hand. It's not oh. great for... Is it? We're not recording, huh? We are, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been talking like this. Yeah. That's all right. It's all right. It's okay. Cool. It's okay. No, yeah. It's usually a warning one. It's all natural, baby. We can keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, I'm just, just researching on L. Ron Hubbard and uh, thinking about this guy's story about how he started this Church of Scientology. It's absolutely bonkers, the things the things he's done, things that he's uh, sort of concocted. It's kind of like a uh, sort of like uh, if you ever think of like black or uh, what do you call it, magic, black magic, black, like uh, basically conducting concocting your own reality. Like taboo, me. no, hmm. like like. Through drugs or technology? No, no, just like by lies. Concocting your entire new reality. Convincing yourself of this new reality. From nothing. From absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. And that's what Scientology is. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. He basically got to where he was by lying and lying and lying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he himself believing these lies. Yeah, he used to keep a journal where he wrote down his lies... So that he would believe them. So he would read them like every night yeah. by that way. Like he would just keep writing yourself. Right. Right. Like um, like we were saying earlier, he you know, he basically lied his way. He basically he tried to influence a lot of people by um, he said that his uh, his dad he grew up in Montana and his uh, his dad was very blue collar, like a rancher, but his grandfather was uh, came from money. So that way he was able to sort of identify with two different groups, the blue collar and the white collar, rich kind of, um, you know, group. And then he, uh, here's a story where he goes off to China when he was a teenager and he like, he studied with these sort of zealots, I don't know. Then he comes back and he keeps the story rolling. He just has so many lies rolling on, rolling and rolling. Were these Chinese zealots or English zealots in China? I don't. I mean, I don't know it that enough to to know, but to to say, but it suffice to say that he has so much, so many lies that he ended up. He basically bullshitted his way to be an officer in the navy. From China. Uh, well, he when he was younger, he was in China, but so he's a Chinese-born citizen. Or? No, 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 he was born here. He was born here. <laughs> Um, but he he got Chinese citizenship. That explains, no, that explains a lot. Yeah. No, revoked yeah. his no, U.S. Yeah, but and came back. Basically, what he did is he went into uh, the U.S. Navy, and I think he served during World War II, but in San Francisco. So uh, while, while World War II was going on, he was here uh, at San Francisco as, as a submarine commander, and one day does that. Did he have to be in the sub? Yes, he was in the submarine. I hope he wasn't the captain of the submarine on Lost. No. Was a, was For anybody a, who's seen that show, they'll know what I'm talking about. Lost in no. that. There's actually a submarine. There is a submarine. Coming too. out, yeah. 
Did you say it's coming out? No, it, it, didn't, it, didn't, come, it didn't. It's it didn't come out yet at this time. Oh, okay. Wonder too. But basically, what he did is he he saw well, he saw a. Uh, there's a timeline. There's the president that show. Actually, uh, it depends. There's a history of that show. There's a. I met you. Desmond was there. Looking for Charlie, brother. Brother Charlie, you're gonna die, Charlie. Rest in peace. Charlie. Yeah. Well. All right, dear Charlie. Basically, he basically bullshitted his way into the Navy. And he was stationed in San Francisco as a submarine commander. And one day he saw a blip on his radar. Bing, 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 how do you sail when you're under underwater? You well, I guess you know, it's a figure of speech. He's, but he went towards it and he released like, I don't know, 20, 30 depth charges down to attack this because he thought it was a Japanese submarine attacking the States. And then he even went back to shore to reload, get more depth charges to keep blowing the hell out of this thing. And it kept blow- showing up on his radar and he couldn't understand why. Then... His commanding officer said, Hubbard, what the fuck are you doing? We know what that's a magnetic ore deposit. It's been there forever. You just wasted thousands of dollars in ammo. It's a regular snafu. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. So why didn't he just chug it up to like a research cost or something then? No, because he he was on record as this is a. I'm sure that wasn't. He thought it was an enemy. No, he was. He thought it was a Japanese submarine. Thought it was an enemy. That was a Japanese submarine. Well, but this thing wouldn't have been moving, right? What what if if it was an ore deposit? What if he thought it was a Japanese whaling crew? What what if he was trying to protect? Yeah, but it wasn't moving. It wasn't stationary. I mean, it was stationary. Now they do good tactics. It was stationary, and this is not the first time that he did something questionable. Another time. He actually shot missiles from a submarine at a, an island. Not reasonable. At a vacant island that was actually owned by Mexico during World War II. Our ally. Basically, almost starting, basically, a, a, an act of war against a, a neutral country in the middle of arguably the biggest war of, of, in world history. The Gulf War. No, World War Two. <laughs> he almost started a Gulf War. It wasn't the Russo-Japanese War. No, no. It wasn't the Hundred Years War. No, um, which is not actually a hundred years. I learned that in Mr. Weech's class. Uh, but all I'm saying it was like is like ninety-nine, right? That was like seven. Gotcha. All I'm saying is, as a uh, naval commander, L. Ron Hubbard was incompetent at best. That's all I'm saying. Mm. So and impotent. Well, so, that's another story. So, yes. jo- so Joe, I think uh, why don't you get back to us? Um, you, it sounds like you're gonna finish. You're you're probably on set to finish Dynetics in what a couple weeks. You yeah, we're we doing should, some we're doing some research. We'll yeah. circle back on this. Though. Okay, we'll talk about it. So, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, Dynetics, Scientology. Yeah, it's a you know interesting topic. So. We'll get back to it.
So it seems our um, our Denny Loggins case has gone cold for the time being after speaking with Officer Gordon Norton Nordo. After speaking with Officer Nordo, our case has gone cold. Gordo Nordo. Gordo Nordo. And um, in order to get some more, uh, you know, feel a few different angles from this case, we've hired a third-party investigator to investigate the goings-on about town, the actions that happen in the cover of night around these parts. And uh, we have in front of us the, um, the investigative report. And um, Joe Q, why don't you take a few, a few readings from it. Let's just take a look and see what's going on about town here. Okay. Thank you for that, Joe. As he mentioned, we are, we've hit a little bit of a, a, a cold case in the uh, Denny Loggins era. So we actually went to uh, Officer Nordo's house and we stole the, uh, the paper actually from his front porch. And um, we're taking a look through it right now. And we're going actually through the, the city's edge. Brook, Sognas, Nord Park, Jefferson Park, Crime Blotter. And uh, one of the first ones, first of all, I didn't know that paper existed, so he must get this exclusively, which kind of makes me stun back to the fact that we really didn't know what his jurisdiction was. So we're going to have to see who edits this paper. I think it also said ET, etc. after Nord Park, so I think it was just included what I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they're not even incorporated. Yeah, it's just like etc. like Bensonville, someplace like that, too. Mm-hmm. It's unknown at this time. So, like I said, we, we have, we've hired this investigative team, and basically they had the, a brick road, but we're still paying them, so we kind of had them do some work. So let's just dive right into it. So the first one, the first police um, blotter we have here states that a man reported that he was robbed at about 12.55 a.m. Sunday, March 5th at Indian Road Park. The 18-year-old man reported that he met with four men at the park who accused him of stealing drugs and that they punched him and kicked him and took $120 and his backpack from him, according to police. Now... Something seems a little fishy about this story, wouldn't you say, Joe? Yeah, the first thing I ask is, why did they accuse him of selling drugs? Yeah. Who are these other guys? They weren't cops. So Four of them. No, accused him of stealing drugs. Stealing drugs. So why did he of have... Of their a, drugs. What, yeah, why did he have $120, though? Was he trying to... He probably was looking to purchase them, and he had a backpack to transport them after he purchased so them. So if he had $120, why didn't he just purchase the drugs? I would think the four individuals meeting him at the park knew he was bringing the money, and they stole the money, and that was that. But he didn't. Why did he have the backpack? Probably to transport the drugs once he purchased them. So what about those four guys? Did they have anything on them? A bag to carry? Probably not. To carry the drugs? It was probably a farce. They brought their Their, fisticuffs and their their wits. There was no drugs. No there drugs. Were, there were never any drugs. The four individuals at the, at the park probably promised him, made a deal to sell the drugs, and they just took the money and ran, like Steve Miller. Huh. So this kid is complaining 
that his drug deal went bad. I think that may have been what happened there. Cue Justin Timberlake, Cry Me a River. I mean, he can't come out and say it. I think he may have twisted. But he had to. He, he must have been beat up pretty bad. And the police had to come in. He had to have some stuff. Well, how bad? It, it didn't say how bad. Well, there's no pictures. No, it's just, uh, this is the newspaper. It's just black and white. And look, we're Old just, school. We're just getting his opinion, his testimony. Right. So we, we don't know the four individuals. No. Yeah. Our, our team's I would answers. suspect they're not good guys. Probably not. But Who knows? Maybe he called them an asshole. But Assholes. He might have. Or pricks. And that's why they yeah. beat him up. Who knows? Hey, give me my fucking drugs, you pricks. And then they said, no. And they said, don't have any drugs, you prick. And then Whatever, having a pleasing thank you, and mm-hmm. then they just beat him up. Yeah. So, Joe, you guys are uh, you guys are familiar with you know taking public transportation in the city of Chicago, correct? You you take yeah. the blue line to work. Yeah. You've mm-hmm. taken the bus to work. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you would know kind of the dangers of plugging in your iPod, looking straight ahead, minding your own business. Yeah, but you can't play the iPod too loud. You got to have sentences around what's going on around you. But you also you just got to mind your p's and q's. And yeah. Just, Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to like getting on a plane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that brings us to our next uh, report that a man was stabbed at about 7.55 a.m. Saturday, March 4th, on a train near the CTA, CTA Jefferson Park Blue Line Station. The 34-year-old man reported that he had an argument with a man on the train and that when he got up from his seat, the man stabbed him three times. I think he just hadn't had his coffee yet, to be honest. 7.55 yeah. in the morning. It's pretty early. And what day was it? Uh, Saturday. Saturday? Saturday morning. He hadn't had his cup with Joe. Well, that's also the day of the St. Paddy's Day parade that just happened, correct? Or is that a week before? That's a week before. Sorry. Okay. Um, then that's just a regular Saturday. But still, you still might get fucked up on a Saturday for no reason. Early. Or maybe he's been out since Friday night. And he's just now going home. He doesn't want to hear anyone. And you realize that the next... You know, a week from now was going to be, you know, turn your clocks forward. So he was like, I'm not losing an hour a week from now. No. Oh. He was, he was I'm in. living it up as much as I can before I lose this hour. Yeah. It's kind of like that, you know? If you, you know, you're going <laughs> to die in a few months. It's like that with yeah. like time savings. Yeah, I mean, well, and also another another thing to be said is he, he probably just picked the wrong person on the... So why did they get in an argument? He sat in his uh, seat. Sat in seat. They got in an argument with the man on the train, that, and then when he got up from the seat, the man stabbed him three times. Okay. So there was no clear yeah. diction on you know what the... So this could have been any conversation. Who knows? Because we don't know what the guy in the seat... I think the guy in the seat was probably just, you know, a guy not to be fucked with in general. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Like, probably. You but... see guys like that, like, hey, don't fuck with me. Because I will stab you. Like that one guy yeah. in the bus. And sometimes you just got to listen. From uh, that one Tosh.0, <laughs> where he fought that, you know, that dude on the bus. Oh, the uh, called Amber Lamps. Mm-hmm. That man. Hmm. It was a famous video at the that time. That video, yeah. The, he was a homeless Vietnam vet mm. with obvious mental... I think, I think the... Uh, Seem to take away from this is some people are just not to be not to be messed with, especially in public transport. I think his shirt said that. Mm-hmm. That guy from that video, seriously, the back of his shirt, or, the, or his hat. Yeah, we needed someone to pull up some videos when we were. It's an old one. Yeah. So I know both of you guys like to play video games. Okay. Yeah. It's just a part sure. of uh, your repertoire. 
I like to play video games. Mm-hmm. All kids like to play video games. All men like to play video games. All people. People I really. Think everyone likes it. People really. Hundred percent of people. So there's actually two stories that kind of correlate um, from this police blotter that we want to bring up, and uh, the first is that uh, a family at the 5700 block of North Okito had oh. their uh, yeah pretty I, close uh, to home. I was on that on my way home. Mm. Sometimes I cut across it. So we maybe this is about. You? All right, we'll come back. Wait, we'll see. <laughs> uh, the man reported that he saw a man holding a bag running from a gangway and fleeing in a car, and that he had stole a computer, laptop, and Xbox video game console. Now, that correlates directly with a woman reporting that at the 4500 block of North Mulligan Avenue... Mulligan. Yeah, I wish he had a mulligan on this robbery. <laughs> Okay. The woman reported that when she entered her daughter's house, she discovered that the kitchen window had been forced open and that... I thought you were going to say daughter, thank God. Ten pairs of shoes valued at $2,000, two PlayStation 4 video game consoles valued at $880, a PlayStation 3 video game console, and 25 games ranged between wow. $1,200 and $1,300. There is a game tournament going on soon, like an... Somebody Huge. was hosting a LAN party at this yeah. house, and yeah. it just so happens that some little nerd found out, this is the place I'm going to go rob. He, not only that same day, he got away with an Xbox, but then he went and stole the whole Sony he system. He fucking looted that second one. Wow. It was, wait, was this in the same day? This was the same day. Oh, my God. It had to be the same guy. Or, or girl. No, it could have been, like, two friends, too. Like, you didn't get your shit, you know? Yeah. So, like, some of those, like, the South Park, where they're kind of debating over, you know, the Xbox or Sony, they're like, we just need to steal these. Or it was somebody like Butters, like, Butters did it twice. Something like that. Mm. Wow. That is a... That's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Depends on where you look at it. That's going to be a pretty awesome land party, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I bet you those kids got enough shit in their house where they're complaining. $850? I mean, yeah. Wow. Suck it up. That's a good one. Go play outside. Those are probably connected. I would think those are connected. Yeah. And uh, lastly, of the um, police blotter brought to you by Anthony Norton's front porch, brought to you by City's Edge. Officer Norton. Who's Anthony Norton? Yeah, who's Anthony Norton? Norton Park, Jefferson Park. <laughs> police blotter. Who's um, Anthony Norton? No, Officer Norton. Okay. Sometimes his friends call him Anthony. I don't know why. So this is a common. This is this is a common theme I see with uh, you know some of the stereotypes about when you actually file a police report. Yeah. So think about. I want you to think about these two circumstances I'm bringing to the table here. All right. First one starts out with a couple. Okay. Okay. That their car was stolen at gunpoint around 2.05 a.m. Um, the 28-year-old man reported that he was driving his 20-year-old girlfriend home. Okay. okay. And right. a vehicle of five men stopped out, demanded money. Um, they got away with the car. And that the man, uh, this couple that was just robbed of their car, reported that he had a cell phone, his wallet containing $450, and two hundred dollars pairs of sunglasses was stolen. Okay. Well, the he same, got ripped off on his sunglasses. Keep probably. Like 
Yes. That's, that's the real crime here. Now, with that... <laughs> Never there, buy. There was also... That's Cup of Joe's tip. Never right. buy. A woman $50. reported that she was robbed at about 3.45 p.m. on Sunday. Who's robbing people at that time, first of all? 3.45? P.m. on a Sunday. P.M.? Oh, wow. Wow, that's daytime. The 54-year-old woman reported that three men grabbed her and took her purse containing her cell phone and $20. Now, going back to that first report about the man losing $450 in his wallet and his $200 shades, Mm -hmm. do you think he was just saying that to police to impress his 20-year-old girlfriend compared to this this 54-year-old woman who says she only lost $20? Was she being honest? Was he being a liar? She's being honest. Twenty like that's a, that's I, something you. That's be honest. An honest yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to this first guy. Then. I mean, yeah. What is he? He's twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Didn't your twenty year old? He got robbed at gunpoint and lost five hundred. So we know he's being a fraud in some way, shape, or possibly. Form. Possibly. More than likely, I'd say. I mean, four what four hundred fifty dollars is a lot to have on cash on you. Yeah, it is. And a two hundred. Dollar sunglasses. sunglasses. Anything else? A cell phone too. What? Even Ray Bans are what? Eighty bucks. In a cell phone. Eighty bucks. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Uh, why do you need sunglasses for at that time of night? Anyways, that's a good question. He's probably lying. Maybe he was in on it. But was it in his car? Was it in his car? Maybe he just had them for for sunny situations. Like you know, like in the thing, the console up top. Yeah, but anyone who has that that spending that kind of money on sunglasses is not just wearing them in their car. They're wearing them or out. They're they're flaunting them. Okay, so this guy's obviously he's doing drugs a lot. That's why he wears sunglasses Maybe. at night. Maybe that's the only other reason. Yeah. Exactly. Is that why you have uh, sunglasses on your glasses? Well, no. This lamp right next to me is pretty bright, so I needed to put on these shades. Yeah. Yeah, but you have like those glasses that turn like a shade when you're in the sun. When you step on the sun. Oh, what do they call those? They call those the tintos. Tint. Tintos. Okay. The yeah. Ford tintos. <laughs> it's your signature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, tinted windows on your shades. You're doing something, you know. Oh, if it's not summer and it's not a, you know, right, right, you don't live in Texas. You live in Chicago, right? It's you don't need that much. It's nighttime too. Yeah. I mean, so buddy, why don't you get a handle on what you're doing? With, you know, just figure it out, man. You're 20 years old, all right? 20. Why are you getting? Where's he getting robbed to? What street was that? I don't know. Why don't we just move on? I'm, I mean, these are reports are just yeah. getting worse and worse each week. We need to hear back from Danny Loggins' camp because. This is driving us insane. I'd like some real crimes. Yeah. All right. We'll take a quick break and uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. that you're about to hear. A lot of this material has been borrowed, heavily borrowed, and in some cases flat-out plagiarized from the podcast, Irish History Podcast. So, bear that in mind as we begin. 
I want to talk to you today about a man who, against all odds, fought the prison system, the army, and all types of authorities. If you were making a movie about this man, you could compare him to a number of characters. For example, uh, maybe a combination I like to think is uh, Michael Schofield from Prison Break, combined with Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption. But then I can't forget to add Charles Bronson, as this man was that tough. But he was as freedom-loving as Braveheart's own William Law Wallace. Excuse me. And through his perseverance, I can only see Terminator comparisons. And if you look at a photograph taken of this man from near the end of his life, he looks like a cross between... Sergeant Barnes from Platoon, Tom Berenger's character, and Marv from Sin City, as portrayed by Mickey Rourke. Or you can just say that he looks like Mickey Rourke in general. This man that I'm talking about here is none other than Dennis Doherty. Now, you might not call Doherty a heroic figure, in fact, uh, uh, one of his reports from his officers in the prison ward had this to say about him. Quote, He was thoroughly bad, a beast of prey against whom it was necessary every honest man should raise their hand. End quote. Either way, this doesn't sound like a guy you'd like to mess with. And the reason I'm talking about Doherty today is because I believe he represents a lot of what makes up the Irish spirit in general. He was a tenacious, indomitable, resilient son of a bitch. To begin the story of Dennis Doherty, we need to understand the social, economic, and political confluences that made up Ireland at the time of his upbringing. <clears throat> he was born in Derry, Ireland, that's in the north of Ireland, in 1814. And the year after, in 1815, was when Napoleon Bonaparte was finally defeated at the Battle of Waterloo by the Duke of Wellington. But few people realize what this defeat would mean for Ireland. With Napoleon defeated, uh, the trade between England and the rest of the European continent resumed, and this resulted in a major collapse in the price of foodstuffs produced in Ireland, and peasant farmers throughout the countryside were hit hard. Another thing to consider during this period of time was the Act of the Union which was introduced in 1800. This clause essentially incorporated Ireland fully into the United Kingdom, along with Wales, England, and Scotland. And it stipulated that free trade, joint free trade, was to be 
conducted throughout the UK. Now, this was not to be implemented, supposedly for 40 years, to allow the economy in Ireland to adjust. However, this 40-year adjustment period was ultimately scrapped when free trade lobbyists in Britain got all of these clauses enacted in 1824. This also had a dire effect on Ireland's emerging industry as it subjected it to the might of British industry, thus plunging Ireland into a further, deeper recession. Now, I think it becomes pretty apparent that Ireland is not in a good spot right now, especially when it comes to the peasantry and the poverty class, which Dennis Doherty certainly belonged to. In fact, the Duke of Wellington himself noted the downward trajectory of Ireland that he foresaw. Quote, I confess that the annually recurring starvation in Ireland occurs every year for that period of time that elapses between the final consumption of one year's crop of potatoes and the coming of the crop of the following year. However, we must expect that this evil will continue and will increase as the population will increase, and the chances of a serious evil such as the loss of a large number of persons by famine will be greater in proportion to the numbers existing in Ireland in the state in which we know that the great body of the people are living at this moment. End quote. As you can see, this is chillingly prophetic of the famed Irish potato famine that would occur in 1845. But by this time, by 1830, in the early 1830s, many people were escaping Ireland through immigration. In fact, 1.5 million immigrated between 1815 and 1845. Dennis Doherty, being one of these, saw a cheap way of immigrating, and the guaranteed of a very steady, if yet dangerous job, with the British Army. In the 1930s, in fact, 42% of the rank and file were recruited in Ireland. So in Derry, Dennis Doherty, along with his two friends, William Moore and James O'Day, joined the Army to escape this cycle of perpetual poverty. Now, the army sent out pamphlets looking for, quote, spirited young fellows, end quote. However, Doherty, Moore, and O'Day would prove to be just a little too spirited. It became apparent very quickly to both thems uh, themselves and the officers that they were not suited to the tough discipline and harsh army life that was imposed upon them. Soldiers were treated extremely poorly and were frequently beaten and flogged. In fact, Doherty and O'Day received 300 lashes and a flogging for violating the army regulations. And just to give you an idea of what this flogging entailed, it was brutal. So excruciating that Many of its victims often passed out with pain 
and others even died. In 1846, a soldier named John White died after 150 lashes. And these floggings, the victim would be strapped to an A-frame in front of the other soldiers in their regiment, as it was supposed to act as a sort of deterrent. Now they were either stripped to the waist or entirely naked, which is embarrassing in and of itself. Then they were flogged on the back, or worse yet, the buttocks, with what was called a cat o' nine tails, a whip with nine smaller offshoot whips at its head, often laced with lead. This meant that each lash cut the victim nine times. So if we think back to the 300 lashes, multiply that by nine, and that's what covered Doherty's back. After this incident, it was a little surprise that these three young men decided that they would desert. Unfortunately for them, they were stationed on the island Guernsey, awaiting to be shipped to India. And this was a tiny island, and not the best place to escape the clutches of the British army. It was only 30 square miles. Nonetheless, Doherty, O'Day, and Moore all decided to give it a try. However, they were caught and brought before a court-martial to be punished for this breach of military discipline in March 1833. The military court found the three men guilty and read out its verdict to the three men, and they must have nearly collapsed in shock from what it was. Not only were they dismissed from the army, but they were sent to serve imprisonment sentences O'Day and Moore received seven years, while Doherty received 14 years, all to be served in Australia. Now, Australia may be a destination nowadays, but back then, it was usually a one-way trip to hell. The only route to Australia from Europe was south around the southern tip of Africa and across the Indian Ocean, a 15,000-mile trip ranging from four to five months. The three men were transported on the ship, the Aurora. And on board this ship, there must have been bitter resentment shared not only by Doherty, O'Day, and more, but also the other prisoners who were being sent to serve sentences in Australia. One of the convicts was a 16-year-old named George Maurice from Wiltshire who received 14 years for the crime of stealing 11 pieces of rope worth 4 shillings. Harsh indeed. Well, after 122 days on the Aurora, they arrived in Sydney on the 3rd of November, 1833. It was at this point the three lifelong friends lost their only and last connections to their past lives as they were each separated. O'Day served his seven years and disappeared into history, and Moore was executed in 1838 for a stabbing. However, Doherty took a different path in what could only be described as a truly epic life, battling the prison regime at every single turn. Now, these 19th century prisons were 
god-awful places. I mean, prisons today aren't the best, but back then they demanded absolute obedience. And they wanted to control every aspect of the prisoners' lives. Strict regulations and brutal punishment. In fact, in his first few years, Doherty tried to escape on no less than five occasions. And this was dealt with ferociously. In 1834, he received 200 lashes, 100 lashes in 1835, and 270 in 1836. Amazingly, it seemed to have little effect. By this time, it was the early months of 1837, he was the uh, young ripe age of 23, and had already received nearly 1,000 lashes. And at this point, he escaped again with a man with a name that I quite like, John McGinnis which is what I'm enjoying at this moment. The two men were successful in getting away from the prison, and they spent a few months in the Australian high summer engaged in an activity called bush ranging, which was essentially banditry. Now, let's not forget, folks, that this was the first time that Doherty had enjoyed freedom in five years. But it wouldn't last, as the two were caught in May 1837. For his part in this, Doherty was convicted and sentenced to death. However, this was commuted to a 20-year imprisonment sentence. Now don't forget, Doherty is a man who craves freedom. So this sentence must have been a fate worse than death. And this time, he was no longer held, going to be held in the mainland of Australia. He was shipped to the incredibly remote... Norfolk Island, which was a dreaded penal colony, penal, which was in the middle of the Tasman Sea, lying north of New Zealand and east of Australia. So arriving on this island, it must have been abundantly clear to Doherty that there was no escape from this prison, as it was 550 miles from the closest island, New Zealand. Norfolk Island itself was only four miles in length and four miles in width. With a truly nasty prison regime. Despite this seeming lack of hope and overwhelming odds against him, Doherty refused to give in. In May, just the month of May 1838, Doherty was again flogged 200 times for foul fucking language and neglect. And less than three weeks later, his back still being raw from the whipping, he was put in double irons, a punishment which locked him in very heavy chains and kept him isolated in his cell. Before that year was up, he received another 250 lashes. In spite of this, Doherty again seemed unbreakable. Following year, he put up more resistance and received another 400 lashes. Between 1833 and 1839, he was flogged between somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 times. It wasn't until 1841, Doherty, now at the age of 27, was able to get off of Norfolk Island by pretending to be insane, feigning madness, 
This allowed him to be transported back to Sydney, where he is incarcerated in a mental asylum. Though less punishing than Norfolk Island, these mental asylums in the 19th century were no picnic. They were also brutal establishments. But to Doherty, this must have seemed like a little vacation, and in fact, he escaped within a few months and began robbing again to survive. He robbed a Goldborn mail train, however, and was caught again. And this time he was sent to Port Arthur Prison in Tasmania. He was imprisoned for another four years until he was sent, due to be sent back to Norfolk Island. And he was put upon the ship, the governor, Philip. Doherty was desperate, so he attempted to start a mutiny on the ship. The mutiny, mutiny, however, failed, and Doherty received yet another prison sentence and was sent to Norfolk Island regardless. Now, I just want to stop for a second and, you know, put, put myself in these shoes. I, I mean, clearly, couldn't have done any of this, but at this point, it would have been very easy to give in back on this remote island seemingly no hope to get off and with solitary confinement handed out instead of the countless floggings. <clears throat> However, Doherty, better man than myself, kept himself going. Policy decision was introduced in 1853 that dramatically altered his situation. This policy decided transportation to Australia of prisoners was to stop and as such, Norfolk Island now served a little purpose. And given its logistical difficulties in maintaining, it was closed. Doherty and the other inmates of the prison were shipped to Tasmania, which is an island slightly smaller than Ireland, and 150 miles south of Australia. In 1855, Doherty was nearing the end of his sentence and was released to work on farms near the prison, where, you guessed it, he escaped again. This life that was available to him was only bushranging and robbery again. And what do you know? Doherty got himself caught up in a murder of a colonialist, George Sturgeon. He fled Tasmania, but since he was so well-known in the area, he was captured after a few months. After all this, he was charged with murder and a death sentence was very likely. But miraculously, for a second time, the death sentence was commuted for him. However, he was sent back to Port Arthur Prison in Tasmania, where a new model prison was being tested. This involved the perverse idea of breaking down the individual and reconstructing them. They couldn't speak to each other, the prisoners, that is, and they had to wear a cloth mask covering their face at all times, and were not referred to by anything other than their prisoner number. And it's not surprising a good many of them were driven insane. But not Dennis Doherty. He kept his sanity somehow throughout this time, and in 1863, he was released... Not completely, but to a different prison that wasn't so bad where he continued to get 
lashings, but his infractions were less frequent. And then in 1871, old Dennis Doherty gave one last attempt at freedom. By this time, he was 58 years old, and he escaped with George Fisher and John O'Brien, but this time he was not physically able for bush ranging. And he was caught where he was almost dead from starvation. And in this escape, he lost sight of his left eye, then returned to the prison Port Arthur in Tasmania. And while here towards the end of life, a journalist by the name of Anthony Trollope visited the Port Arthur prison and interviewed many prisoners along with Doherty. It was through these interviews that Doherty gained his infamy. And Trollope himself lived in Ireland in the 1840s and had sympathy for Doherty's plight. Doherty revealed to Trollope that he was finally broken after this last escape. And I like to think it was more of his age rather than the actual prison system that broke him. By 1876, prison authorities were then satisfied. Doherty, now being 62, was broken enough to be given a ticket of leave. He was allowed to live outside the prison and enjoy most freedoms. By this time, he was an old man and had spent three-fourths of his life in prison. All because of some foolish move to join the British Army in 1833. This new world that he lived in in 1876 must have been completely foreign to him as large numbers of the Irish people died from the famine earlier in the century and no doubt many of his family and friends had been killed or starved or emigrated. What happened to Dennis after this time is not known. But it must have been hard to survive in a society after living in prison for so long. And on this day, we should not forget the unwielding, tenacious, and unbreakable resilient spirit of this man as we go about our daily trials and tribulations. But I'll let the man himself end this episode talking about his own life. And when interviewed by... Anthony Trollope in 1872, he explained his actions and his life in prison such. Quote, I have tried to escape. Always to escape as a bird does out of a cage. Is that unnatural? Is that a crime? End quote. If I ever leave this world alive I'll thank you for the things you did in my life If I ever leave this world alive I'll come back down and sit beside your feet tonight Wherever I am, you'll always be More than just a memory If I Take 
sadness that I left behind If I ever leave this world alive The madness that you feel will soon subside So in a word, don't shed a tear I'll be here when it all gets weird Okay. 